0: Hello and welcome to the Traumanomics Podcast, a place where we discuss a wide range of topics emphasizing healing, change, and growth for abuse survivors. Drawing from personal and professional experiences, we'll discuss issues openly for those in helping positions, such as parents, educators, health and mental health professionals, and members of law enforcement.
1: This is Dr. Chris Bertelson. Chris is a survivor, educator, and author. As a teenager, Chris was a target of a notorious child molester in his hometown, a man who went on to abduct and murder one of the victims. This abduction case went unsolved for 27 years. Chris was instrumental in helping bring attention to the cases, which were eventually solved in
0: 2016. And this is Jordan Howard. Jordan is a therapist here in Arkansas with extensive experience working with abuse victims and males in particular. In addition, Jordan works with couples and people with addictions.
1: Together, we hope to share stories and commentary of resilience and healing in a caring and light-hearted way, bringing attention to issues of abuse, addiction, and the effects on individuals and society. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Traumonomics Podcast, Episode 6,
0: Now What Do You Do? Uh, I'm Chris Bertelson here with Jordan Howard, and uh, today we're going to be talking about what to do when you know there's a kid in trauma or has been through some trauma, living in trauma, that sort of thing. Uh, just as we get going here, a reminder that uh, we'd like you to go to our website, upstartresilience.com, uh, traumonomicspodcast.com Follow us on Twitter, at Upstart Res. And uh, you can contact us through any of those, uh, any of those places. Also, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, See if you can find us. We'd really appreciate that if you'd subscribe. And, uh, Jordan, anything to add to that?
1: No, I think I think that about covers it. I think we will uh, hopefully soon in the near future, too, we'll be offering some workshops around. So please uh, give us a shout out, uh, reach out to us, and, and and we'll see what we can do.
0: Yeah, email is uh, upstartresilience at gmail.com. Again, you can uh, reach out to us through the various websites as well so uh disappointing game yesterday for those Razorbacks fans uh (laughs) just um you know it's losing to uh, a smaller school is never easy so so
1: yeah I'm, I'm trying hard guys I'm just just you know trying to trying to get in my in my good good spirited zone today because you know yesterday was a pretty rough day for me uh, and all of us Razorback fans out there. right? Uh, so pretty tough. Pretty pretty tough. Pretty, pretty tough loss. Uh yeah. you know, no no offense to San Jose State, but uh you know, we uh that's just a game we should not be losing. So that's right. So um as we get started here, just a little
0: bit of a reminder uh last time, last couple of episodes actually we've you know talked about uh my situation, my connections to um the Jacob Wetterling story and um you know kind of what it was like during that time um, and of course times have changed uh, but one thing that hasn't changed is kind of this stigma of talking boys uh, kid you know girls too who have experienced traumatic experiences aces uh, as we've talked about a lot of times just don't want to talk don't want to share they're afraid um, and so today we're just gonna we're just gonna touch base on that a little bit and uh so jordan you know you've been at this a very long time um well now what i'm a teacher i'm a police officer i'm a medical professional you know maybe a nurse or a school nurse or something counselor and i've got this kid i know something's going on not sure where it is i just know that um, they present with some characteristics so let's kind of start out First of all, what are those characteristics that you can kind of pick up on? What are some of those signs, and then what do you do?
1: Yeah, so talking about signs and characteristics uh, this is where like Chris was saying, if you're especially probably if you're a teacher uh, you're you're gonna be on the front lines um, of seeing these students just because you deal with more more kids uh, proportionally than, than most people do. so um, some of the things I think you will see uh, with a kid uh, at that point, I mean you may see stuff like anger issues that might come out in the classroom, not getting homework done on a pretty routine basis, um, things like personal hygiene, you know, that, that's gonna come into play, too. Um, and just, you know, uh, just, just kind of some of those telltale signs that, that you can pick up on with kids. Uh, sometimes, too, it can be things like, you know, checking for the kid that's kind of there, but they're not really, they're not really there, uh, if, you, if you guys can kind of know what I mean. Like, they're present, but that's about it, you know. Sleepy? Are they tired? Are they sleeping through class a lot? You know, we don't know what's going on, and so as a teacher or in any of the helping professions, you can make assumptions based on those things. Oh, they're disinterested in school. All this kind of stuff. And then, Chris, I know you were a teacher for a while too, so you may you may have some things to speak on there, things you might notice.
0: Yeah, and the, you know, one of the things that uh, makes this situation difficult, and I'm I'm saying this from my personal experience as one of those kids, and then as a teacher watching. Um, and you know the research is out there. We're diagnosing students, kids, with things like oppositional defiance disorder, right. ADD,
1: ADHD, ADHD,
0: things like that. And that those are legitimate diagnoses. The problem is they're not always the right ones. Correct. And so, um, you know, I think about what you said. You know, sleeping through class. Well, <laughs> all teachers, all teachers know kids that sleep through class, right? Every high school kid's falling asleep in class, right? And so we just have to be careful. So I think for, for, um, for purposes of discerning what's really the problem, we got to be really careful. There are there some things that you would see that make this kid sleeping through class different than another kid sleeping through class, if that makes sense?
1: Well, I think this is where we have to get down. I know this is going to sound pretty simplistic, and I'm not trying to make it sound too simple, but it is this thing of like the question, why? You know, looking at the the question is why? Why is this happening? What's going on here? And I think sometimes we can get caught up in all of the helping professions. I'm not just not just you know picking on teachers here, uh, but on all of them. We can we can really we can see this this problem, okay? And but we don't know what's going on underneath it. It's back to sort of that iceberg metaphor of like we see the surface, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes right. and so for a lot of these kids uh, you know I think they're you know, obviously if you're in trauma at that time there's stuff going on behind the scenes Right. so when you're on the front lines trying to deal with them you know that that's kind of where we're gearing this today towards like what do you do you know you got this kid you see this stuff that's happening maybe you even have a little bit of insight into the story you know but um, to me and you know and I would uh, and this is where I think this is really cool guys we've got Chris you know here that can speak to it too from the personal experience of having gone through trauma at the time you would have been in school right you know so it's also that question to you kind of what would you have needed at that time exactly you know yes so
0: well and I th- I think one of the things having gone through the uh particularly with the changes brought about with the Wetterling abduction um you know not just nationally of course the uh, a lot of things changes. Sex, regist- uh, sex offender registries, things like that, are a result of Patty Wetterling's work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at a local level, way before that happened, uh, you know, if somebody would have just said, hey, are, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that mentality has kind of changed to where these days more more teachers are asking that question. More teachers are asking, can I help you? Things like that. Um, instead of there's something wrong with the kid, we got to ask, is there something wrong in the environment? Is there something wrong with the home life? For example, is there something wrong? That's not just shaming the kid, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. Well, and I think you just brought up to me the biggest point in this whole, whole thing, or at least probably the best thing I'm going to say today. Um, and I'll come back around to this, but it's, you know, mental health. We know that, interesting that I'm a therapist, but I will tell you outcome research on therapy is not always great as far as the techniques, what's done, all of the things you learn in school to do. Um, The thing that research will point to that works is relationship. Right. And that's where I think this discussion needs to go from the standpoint of if you are a teacher, if you're in law enforcement, if you're a judge, if you're an attorney, if you're in any of these these roles, you know, if you're there in these helping roles with people or public roles dealing with people that are in trauma, relationship is going to be the key. Um, and so, because I think Chris, you just said it best. Was there anybody there to say, "Hey, are you okay?" "Hey, or, hey, are you okay?" is going to be prompted by a relationship between that teacher or that that helping professional and that kid. If that kid knows they're safe, and we'll come back to safety too. If that kid knows they're safe, they're going to be more likely to trust you, and more likely to maybe give you a clue as to what's what's actually going on.
0: So, and the thing that uh, I think a lot of kids would be afraid of is what's going to happen if what if I tell? And you know, I I know from my own my own teaching experiences that were students whose home lives I know were terrible but what do you do about it you know when that kid trusts you and then you go quote unquote tell and then authorities get involved that's a that's a tremendous source of fear and so I um, is everything going to be okay? Well,
1: you can't always say that, You don't right? always know. Yeah.
0: And, yeah. and so the kid, is, the kid is in this situation where uh, they don't know what's going to happen. And the unknown is one of the worst things for kids living in, in traumatic situations is not knowing what's going to happen. It's the
1: double bind. Uh, well, yeah, I know that's what makes it difficult when we talk about things uh, like reporting, like mandated reporting. Uh, as a, as a helping professional, I think almost all of them are on the list. You're a mandated reporter right. to the, you know, DCFS, and right. so um, one of the things I know for me that I, I've often used, you know, having to report and stuff with kids is like you know you, you know to me you try it again. You try to make it transparent. You have them in there when you're talking to the people. You make it a a very you know no, I can't promise you everything's going to be okay, but you're going to be right here with me when we we're, we're going to do this together. Right, we're not going to do this where I'm. I'm doing stuff you don't know about behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yeah, that yeah. does
0: make sense. And I, I just think about you know, uh, you, you know, you mentioned law enforcement. Um, I have tremendous respect for one of the officers in my hometown who tried to help us and and uh, when when Heinrich was coming after us and was very uh, instrumental in making us feel safe, trying to to catch the guy from one thing. Um, when law enforcement officers or teachers or something, when they see something and they have this mandatory reporting thing over their head and there's no relationship with that kid, now what? Right. what do you think there right what do you think
1: well there? well, and I think that's where you know you have to be obviously there's going to be times in these prof- these professional roles we have where you've got to do what you've got to do right and, you know I think we've all we've got to state that because you're going to be in those situations. But I think that's where if you can again, if you can find ways to have somebody connected to it that does have relationship, mm-hmm. involving people as as much as you can. Um it, it's like to me it's like knowing our strengths again too. If I know that I'm good at doing relationship with this particular kid or person, then maybe I need to have my hands on that situation a little more. Right. So maybe if there is somebody around, you know, at the school, at the place that is more connected, a coach, yeah, you know, I don't know. somebody to get to get them involved right you know, a little quicker. so
0: this might be a this might be a subject for another entire episode on its own, but I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit with this question. What about the kid who you have a very good suspicion is in an abuse situation at home, and there's some evidence that just you think, you know what, I think this kid's in an abuse situation and they don't want to talk. They don't want to tell, they don't want to report. They'll talk. They don't want to report. And for our listeners, you know, there's a difference, right? They'll talk. Talking to your talking to your friend about what your caregiver is doing to you is not reporting. So, how do we how, how do we nurture it, that? Yeah. How we bridge that to get it yeah. to where uh they're willing to report
1: and i appreciate the question because i think that is the question that we all um i know you've probably been there chris as a teacher i'm there as a therapist at times too uh you know i know there's the general rule of thumb where look end of the day your job's going to demand you still got to report i mean if if you have enough suspicion right you still got to do it however um what i've always kind of like you know thought myself it's like you get to a place again to where that that person that you're dealing with—it's it, all about the relationship again. You know, you get to a place to where they're trusting enough of you, to where they know that you're gonna you're gonna do what you you're gonna take care of them. You're gonna you're gonna see it through. I guess if that mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Because um, to me, it's about that safety piece again. You're trying to do everything you can, and I realize that we say this, guys. You're gonna be in some situations where you've done the best you can. And the outcome still didn't wind up. Maybe you lose relationship with that kid. That's not what you're trying to do, but maybe that happens right. because of some action you had to take. You know, I'm not going to advocate obviously not reporting. You, you got to do what you have to do. Right. Uh, but I think that right there is the dilemma that most of us are always in right. in those situations.
0: Well, and I'm thinking about it too from uh, from the perspective of a. Uh, you know a teacher for example i was a teacher and i and i turn in this case and the kids let's say the kid confides in me the kid says hey this is going on at my house i'm being physically abused sexually abused whatever and the kid tells me and i tell and then it comes back and the powers that be don't do anything about it And the kid goes right back into that home, into that situation, and that retribution is coming. That's what I'm kind of talking about in terms of, and 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 we don't know that, right? Right. We don't know what's going to happen.
1: That's the thing with this is that it's a very hard question to answer because you know it really is. Because when you're in those, you're in those situations. I mean, you, you take like a therapy situation too, where you may know. You have, a, you have enough of your gut telling you, hey, this is what's going on. Right. But if you, you can understand the dynamics to know if that kid tells you, they know what's coming for them. Right. And so it's a very, a lot of times there's this delicate dance that I think both the helping professional and the person in trauma are doing with one another. Right. Because you, the thing that none of us can do is we can't say, well, hey, this is what's going to happen right exactly we can tell you next steps and one of the things that i think that often gets neglected during this whole process to me and, and maybe maybe i'm maybe i'm kind of framing this and we could probably do a whole episode of this things to help bridge the gap of making things feel safer for somebody but it can be things like as simple as like you got this kid at school or whatever you know and they're um you know, they're they're not doing well, whatever's going on. Have you thought about maybe the kid hadn't ate? Maybe they're hungry. Right. Have an apple. Have fruit. Have something that you can throw. I mean, do something to where it's like, okay, you're, you're hitting the basic needs Right. for the for these people. Yes. And you're showing interest in their life. Right. You know, you're, you're getting a clue of what's going on. You're attuned. Right. Good word. Attuned, you know, enough yeah. to, to really know what's happening here. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the kid who is split between having this, um, living oftentimes in terrible conditions, physical abuse, sexual abuse situations, and yet feeling loyal to that parent or that caregiver or to whomever is abusing them to the point that their their personal safety is counterbalanced by this feeling of loyalty. And that is, uh, I think really, if we can get to that, that's a very difficult situation for people in helping positions as well as that that individual
1: well and I think I mean I, I, and obviously not to, not to put you too much on the spot here the Chris but you know you you having the experiences you did I mean I, and, and you just mentioned earlier how to hey are you okay as a question for you but I mean, I'm sitting here thinking like what would it have been like for you kind of kind of asking the question what would it have taken for you at that time to have been like hey, there's all this stuff going on
0: right right you know? and I and I think you know and, and we may get back into this later on but I think one of the one of the, the, the clear answers in my personal situation is that the wheels would have come off the bus in my home situation uh, had I talked and had somebody asked that question uh, I think there would have been a there would have been a I'd have had a meltdown and I and I think that um that could have resulted in, um, you know, a totally different trajectory for me. Who knows what, right? Um, you know, we don't we don't know that.
1: We don't, so we don't. And that's why this conversation is really a difficult one to have, right? But it needs to be had because, I mean, I, I know, I know therapists. You know, the circles that I'm in. I mean, it, this is something that we face a lot daily. Probably. Daily, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and it's, it's like, especially if you're working with kids, right? Yeah, it's a thing of what do you, what do you do because right. there's these. These dynamics that play out, uh, you know. One thing that we we always said too is like, you know, is is it better? Sometimes you see kids that have been in the system, you know, in right. foster care and different things that have had some pretty terrible outcomes as well. Right. And it's kind of like, did you do? Do you feel like you did the right thing? Right. You know,
0: exactly. Um, well, and I want to I want to kind of end this episode by pointing out that um, there are kids who have these terrible outcomes. But there are kids who have amazing outcomes. You know, not every kid, as we've talked before, ends up in the correction system. We have a lot of highly professional people who have demonstrated this resilience and grit that we just, it's, it's almost indescribable how they went through what they did and still turned out how they did today. So it's really a, a great example. Um, and I think a good, a good point to pick up on next time, maybe.
1: Absolutely. Two, two key words, resilience and grit. We can't say enough about those two pieces. Right. So. Right.
0: Well, thanks again, everybody. And uh, we'll, we'll hope to hear from you next time.
1: See you next week. This podcast is made available by Upstart Resilience, LLC. For educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the subject matter, this podcast is not designed to give specific professional advice. By using this podcast, you understand that there is no counselor-client relationship nor any other professional relationship between you and the hosts. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent professional advice from a licensed professional in your state.